Open our lips, O Lord, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. Jesus said, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. I love this passage. I love this passage. I love its audacity. I love its assurance and its confidence. When it's all falling apart all around you and the heavens are being shaken and fallen, what do you do? Stand up and raise your head. Something's emerging. And my wife, Becky, grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and let's just say she was used to tremors around the house. They didn't teach her to raise her head. I told her to look for a doorway. Put your head, cover it, run. And the evangelist is saying, no, when it's all falling apart all around you, stand up and raise your head, because your life is drawing near. The evangelist is saying, shaken foundations can be examined foundations. And disillusion can mean that we are giving up on the fantasy of what we thought was holding things together as they fall apart and we can be freed from our illusions. And now, true work can be done. Now we can really get to work because we've given up on the illusions of what's holding things together. In the death of President Bush in the last couple of days, you may have read various opinions talking about there was a different time when he was president, and uh, we need not pretend that he was perfect or didn't at times generate certain discord among our country at times. And people are comparing with a sense of the distress, if you will, to use the biblical word that people are feeling these days wondering if all kinds of things aren't falling apart around us, some basic foundations of what we thought and who we thought we were, what we thought was how people conducted themselves, distress, what's going to show up in the news today. And as I listen to those, I realize there's a gift in our current distress. The gift in our current distress is that we might finally start reading the Bible in the context in which it was written. We who live in the 21st century in North America might start to remember to ourselves that at least 90, if not more, percent of the Bible was written by people in great distress. The people who are writing this passage today were in great distress distress, telling us to stand up and raise our heads because life is right here in our midst. You think about Israel, slavery, they get their land, they get pushed out of their land and driven into exile. 
They return to the land, but they're living at the time of Jesus in occupied territory with the regime that loved its violence and its power and its capacity to make people behave as they wanted them to. Jesus' family fleeing the violence of their country, trying to cross borders into another land where they feel they will be safe from the violence that is going on in their country. The early church finding its gestation in a period where, again, the regime wants to wipe them out. And so maybe when we are finding ourselves in distress, we can try to glimpse a little bit of hearing these scriptures in the way they were written, in the context they were written, and not with the kind of, we expect everything to work out like we've grown up with. Today, we can stand and raise our heads because we finally have some sense of the posture that the biblical writers call us to. When you're in great distress, stand up and raise your head. Be alert. Be awake. Watch the words of our text today and the words of Advent. Pay attention. There are also words that can be used to describe contemplation, which is what Advent is also about. Paying attention. Is your world falling apart? Then glory. Be alert and watch for what's coming. Pay attention for where your life is now going to be found. I mentioned in the sermon last week that this this, uh, journey of koinonia that we have invited ourselves into has certainly been shaking foundations. And that just a sampling of some of the things we've invited into our lives, books like Toxic Charity and books like The Alternative and books like Waking Up White and So You Want to Talk About Race, have been shaking, I'll say, at least my foundations and stirring up a lot of distress. I've said to you at least on a few occasions that I very much find myself in sympathy with Nicodemus, the the old teacher of Israel, you know, I mean, white hair should count for something, right? Who comes to Jesus and says, are you telling me I had it all wrong? And I'm at this age where, you know, 60s, you're supposed to be able to coast a little bit. And now you're telling me all these things that I have built my life on, particularly a whole lot of Christian virtues around philanthropy and charity, have really not been helping but have been undercutting and the practices around race that I benefit from are breaking apart a lot of myths, particularly as I keep hearing that the people who need to change here aren't out there, but they're here. And I'm realizing that this time, for me at least, is like one of those disasters when it's all falling apart. And if you've ever been in an area that's experienced some kind of disaster, It doesn't just get back to normal in a couple of weeks or months or even years. The finding of new life will take many years, if not a generation, to figure what will come from this. And I hold that as we walk through this koinonia journey because it's real easy to think, well, we've read the books now. Come on, let's just move on. We're ready. We're changed. We don't even know what we don't know And it's distressing 
And at times, for me at least, I feel like this simple structure that's been tossed around by a hurricane. And the evangelist is saying, is that true for you? Then glory. And stand up and raise your head. Because there's life emerging. When we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, it's an inherent proclamation that we know we're not finished. This world is not finished. We have not seen everything we're supposed to see or learn everything we're supposed to learn. And not every last foundation has ceased to be shaken. More things need to be examined and more things will break apart. O come, Emmanuel. Because if Advent promises anything, every first Sunday of Advent, we certainly get it in stereo. It promises disintegration and emergence of life. Watch. Be awake. Be alert. See the life that's emerging when it's all falling apart. Words of contemplation, which Advent really is, a season of contemplation. And in reflecting on contemplation, Parker Palmer writes, all forms of contemplation share the same goal, to help us see through the deceptions of self and world in order to get in touch with what Howard Thurman called the sound of the genuine within us and around us. And he reminds us that contemplation doesn't necessarily just mean like yoga or meditation or Lectio Divina or anything like that because there's a whole lot of us whose hands are just a little too busy to sit down in a cell for a day or a week. But what he reminds us is that contemplation can be defined by its function. Contemplation is any way one has of penetrating illusion and touching reality. And he goes on to write, if contemplation is about penetrating illusion and touching reality, why do we commiserate with others when they tell us about an experience that's disillusioned them? Oh, I'm sorry, we'll say, or please let me comfort you. Surely it would be better to say, congratulations, You've lost another illusion which takes you a step closer to the solid ground of reality. Please, let me help disillusion you even further. <laughs> he says, I'm still on that path. And daily I stay alert for the disillusionment that will reveal the next thing I need to know about myself and or the world. Staying on the path, staying alert to the next disillusionment is the path of Advent. And we travel this path together to save ourselves from hopelessness. We travel this path together to find in one another and in ourselves the courage to invite disillusionment, the courage to look into the abysses and not run from them, but say, that's the birth canal. These are the pangs through which new life's going to emerge. Let us stand together and be present, alert, awake to them.
That's why we have our Advent wreaths. Not just simply to be a, a nice thing to adorn your kitchen table, which is nice. We have this Celtic one. It's really great. But the wreath is to remind us that as we keep journeying on this path of looking into the disillusionments, the light grows more and more. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Advent is an invitation to that kind of path and it will necessitate our allowing things to break apart and it will necessitate our staring into the distress of ourselves and the world. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near.